0: Welcome, in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email: LonghornRepublicPod at gmail My name is Gerald Gooder, the host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's excited to do a preview without a football game. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Yeah, we're
1: in winning season now. We're, we're talking no football. We're talking basketball, other sports. We have conference champions. We have conference championships. We have teams in first place in the conference, and we don't have to talk about football. So uh, basketball
0: it is, my friend. We call that a win-win where I come from, right? Um, now, let's be honest. Talking about Texas basketball has not been particularly fun uh, throughout the last decade and even last year, but uh, so, yeah, so in the place of our normal preview show where we, we preview the upcoming football game, Texas is on a bye this week and thus far have not lost the bye week. Let's just go and say that you can lose the bye week and Texas has not done that yet. Uh, thankfully, those fellas down in College Station have taken much of the news media coverage <laughs> that could potentially help Texas lose the bye week. But So we're going to take this time and in today's show, we're going to preview the men's basketball team. And then on uh Tuesday, in our normal recap spot, we will preview the ladies. So we're excited to, to bring this to you. We'll obviously have our normal BOL and Godzilla Tron at the end. But we're going to start with one of the two teams that's breaking in a new arena this year. The number 12 in your AP poll, number one in your heart, Texas men's basketball. Coming off of a NCAA tournament run that ended earlier than most thought it would be, but still managed to have a um, a snapped an eight-year winless streak in the conference tournament so uh that's a positive i suppose but um there was uh, uh, there were signs of progress we'll say but quite a bit to be desired as well. Texas this year returns three all-conference performers, and it's top two scores from a team that went 22-12 and 12 all while also bringing in the number three recruiting class. A lot of familiar names to replace Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, and Trey Mitchell are all uh, gone under greener pastures, but uh, the cupboard is far from bare for Chris Beard and this coaching staff, so uh, how we'll do it, we'll probably talk about the backcourt, and then the frontcourt, we'll break it up in half, and then we'll Kind of talk about the Big Twelve overall, so uh, that's your agenda for the day, Kyle. Anything I missed in there?
1: No, I think you you pretty much hit it. Um, I think we have a lot to get through, but this will be a good one. I'm I'm excited doing you know research and notes for this preview. Got me a little bit in the Kool Aid. Like there's some things I'm excited about. I definitely see where we can talk about this team and um, look at some some you know potential problem areas that they may need to paper over, but. I'm excited to talk a little basketball, men's uh, today, and then women's coming up uh, next week in our preview there. But um, exciting times. I mean, it's the the weather is crisp and cool and fall. Uh, it feels like uh, you know the, the, the Texas sports season outside of football uh, is is
0: really it's really going. Yeah, I mean it's. You know, like like we said, it's it's time. Like the teams tip off here in a couple of weeks, so uh, this is probably. uh, And if Texas Tech fans are listening to this, just plug yours probably the most talented backcourt that Chris Beard has has coached. The One of the biggest moves probably of the offseason is, is securing the transfer, the portal pirate himself, Chris Beard, getting uh, Big 12 Freshman of the Year from Iowa State, Tyrese Hunter, to transfer in, average 11 points, 4.9 assists, and 3 rebounds per game. Not necessarily uh, an NBA-sized guard, so he could be around for a couple years, which is nice. Iowa State fans were very, very upset at his transfer. He also he joins at the backcourt, fifth-year senior Marcus Carr, who now gets to shift to more of a two-guard role, probably, in that which fits more of his skill set and will help uh, alleviate potentially some of the scoring droughts we saw last year. Uh, Serge Bari Rice, fifth-year senior, uh, transfers in 19, 11.9 points uh, per game, averaging 5.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists. Arterio Morris uh, coming in. Um, and we have to pause to talk about Arterio Morris for a second. Um, Arterio Morris currently in and dealing with a Title IX investment investigation uh, stemming from accusations of assault toward his uh, with his girlfriend a domestic situation chris beard has honestly awkwardly declined to comment on it, He's basically shifting it off to the title nine office i'm curious to see what his role is this year and honestly frankly frankly i hope he doesn't have a significant role for texas this year uh because there's not a place for that kind of behavior that kind of attitude that kind of behavior on the 40 acres if you ask me in my opinion but it was a five-star coming in again uh Probably will factor in significantly, even though it feels dirty to say that out loud. The four-star, uh, freshman number 86 in the country, Rowan Brumbaugh, uh, was impressive in camp. And again, is another multi-year Beard guy. So a ton, a ton, a ton of horses in that backcourt. And I'm really excited to see Chris Beard take this athletic backcourt and make them have like 12 possessions a game.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe this is the backcourt where they can, they can um, run slow, but efficient. Like they can break down. Uh, a defense I I think you know you're not going to get a radically different beard he's going to run an offense he's going to be um you know the equivalent of of uh, the, the types of coaches we make fun of in football who uh you know run a an old school offense to focus on defense and the difference is is he's you know gotten to a national championship game uh with it right he didn't win but made it to the game while at Texas Tech and so um it can work you just have to have the right people. You have to be able to hit threes. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, you have to be able to uh, break down defenses because you're going to be in a lot of half-court sets and you're not running uh, off the miss and fast breaks because you're trying to limit the number of possessions. Again, if you're an efficient offense, if you can take advantage of that efficiency, again, think Texas offense in first halves this year in football. Um, if you can be efficient and score uh, with it, then then this can be a really devastating game plan. But um, just looking at the, this this. Backcourt. I mean, <clears throat> you know they replace Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones in in there, um, and bring back Marcus Carr. It's it's interesting. Um, out of the three, he probably Carr is probably based on how he played last year the 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 least of a fit for this year's offense. But I do think you'll see Carr, like Gerald alluded to play a little bit more like a Courtney Ramey or Andrew Jones where he's off the ball and shooting a little bit more. Um, the hope is that Tyrese Hunter, who was 247's number two overall um, player in the transfer portal, I think uh, ESPN had at number three, um, legitimately one of the hottest commodity and certainly the hottest at point guard um in the country um following last year's number one point guard right marcus Carr. So it's not a sure thing but i do kind of i'm very intrigued by that that will be your starting backcourt right no ifs ands or, or buts about it um tyrese hunter got better as the year went on he was a competitor he's a player there are a lot of players who make the sophomore jump and, and kind of have a, a shooting, especially from deep, improvement. And so, if they can get that version of, of Tyrese Hunter, who's a really good defender, right? So between Carr and Tyrese Hunter, they're going to have good on-ball defenders at the guard position. Um, he's he facilitates an office really really well. Could see him, you know, his his assists because Iowa State plays really slow as well. So you don't expect some of these guys come in at faster pace offenses. You know their numbers are going to drop. Texas actually may have been faster than Iowa State last year. So you expect Hunter's numbers to just go up, probably be closer to 13, 14 points a game, um, maybe even get his assists over five, which would be great. And he can rebound, like another guard who can play defense, crash the boards, does all the things. Even though he's not huge, he's he's quick, he's very smart, he's always in the right position, he's a really willing defender and just a really good facilitator offense. So, again, if, if that allows Carr to be more of the score and if Carr can really get those shooting numbers up, then I, then I like the way they play.
0: Yeah, and I think that was honestly one of the big issues with Texas's offense last year is that Marcus Carr, and I'm going to make this joke again, I made it in the Tuesday show, um, felt like at times like a Jimbo Fisher quarterback where he's having to process too much and having to make too many decisions um, while also trying to play a – play loose and score and aggressively and you can't have both right in any if, if you're trying to play aggressive and trying to play cerebral it's it's quite tough um trying to be because Chris Beard's point guards have to do a lot right Chris Beard's point guards have a lot of responsibility a lot that's put on their shoulders and not saying that Marcus Carr can't do that I'm saying that Marcus Carr very well can do that but I think Marcus Carr's more natural role is to play off the ball to to create space to create his shot um and then be available as a scorer and and one of the big issues last year we saw was those scoring droughts. There was a scoring drought every game. Like You and I talked about it repeatedly. The big thing for Texas is can they build up a big enough lead before the scoring drought happens, or can they snap out of it quick enough? But there's going to be anywhere from 3 to 75 minutes where Texas doesn't score a bucket, and things get weird. And so I think, again, part of that I think was Marcus Carr not being able to just be a scorer, right? And so bringing in Tyrese Hunter, um, bringing in Rowan Brumbaugh, right? Those kind of guys Um, I think will allow Marcus Carr to play more of that scoring role that that honestly – fans on you know online wanted him to be that we honestly wanted him to be right that's really what he came in known for was kind of being a fill up the bucket guy and so getting him out of that distributor role out of that field the floor general role and allowing him to just be a scorer and let Tyrese Hunter be your trigger man I think it's a wise move and it's a smart move and I think it's going to be hopefully fingers crossed again you and I are painfully optimistic sometimes but I hope it can be an unlock a bit for this Texas offense where they can avoid some of those weird scores droughts in the middle of the game
1: yeah and and look watch this be where where Carr, you know being off the ball and and facilitating as a secondary ball handler has a really efficient like you know four assists a game to to half a turnover like this just somehow unlocks some secret power and we feel foolish but i really think taking the ball out of his hands as the primary like let him let him focus on scoring let him focus on attacking and, and the other guard who's going to see a lot of play just from the amount of time that coaches have spent talking about him is Serge Barry Rice, who really interesting. He's a fifth year senior like car. Um, he came over from, you know, he's a three time all conference whack player. They, uh, beat UConn last year in, in, in the tournament. Um, has, has played March madness games. Has is one, two conference tournaments. Like beard really talks a lot about him as a winner. Uh, he's from Houston, a kid who, um, played with, with, uh, Timmy Allen's brother, we'll talk about Timmy in a moment, um, last year and and when he decided he was going to hit the portal for his kind of fifth and final year his brother said, call up Timmy and Timmy really talked up Texas basketball and Coach Beard and it, it seems really bought into the vision and they hit it off quick and so now he's a Longhorn and he's a player who um, probably is going to be Texas's primary three-point kind of wing threat, which he's good at. I wouldn't say he's the best in the conference, but he's good, <laughs> and I think again with those two facilitators, you get ball movement. You get, uh, you know, Allen cutting to his favorite interior spots. Maybe you see a little bit of space there um, for Subari, Sir Jabari Rice um, to do some things. He's a competitor again, a player who can defend. You know, four or five positions. Both Hunter and, and Rice, who came in the portal, were very much defensive ads. I think Beard had a really great defense last year, really great, but th- thought let's focus more on the thing we're good at and get guys who may be even better uh, at that spot. I think Hunter, as you're, you know, kind of pointed the spear is even better than Marcus Carr in that position. Um, and, and again, Rice is is um, probably a little bit of an upgrade over Andrew Jones there. So I, I, I like it, he's a, you know, career kind of 12 points a game he could come in and, and be our third highest scorer a lot of nights, right? Depending on, on how he's shooting. Um, if you run the ball with those three primarily, and if... Rowan Brumbaugh, who is like every coach in the country, would love to have him on the roster. Just so, yeah. like, honestly, you watch him even in high school. Like, he's not the most athletic guy on the court at any point. He's just so good at getting whatever shot he wants, at being in the right place, at dropping a ball. It's the way you talk about a quarterback, right? Just, and, in, in, you know, we use Bryce Young as the point guard as a quarterback. Think now the inverse of a quarterback as a point guard. He's just always getting other people in the right position on defense, Throwing the pass to lead people to the open spot, seeing two cuts ahead, like he just really is going to be a great addition. He's a number 86 player in the country. He's no slouch for sure. Um, but because Arterio Morris was obviously a you know a big recruit, he actually fell to number 17. I think he was top 10 for a while. Um, Brumbaugh's been overshadowed again. If Morris is playing, I I don't necessarily love that unless there's some big resolution. what we understand has happened now I just take a brief moment and say I'd love a world where Artario Morris didn't have this hanging over his head and we could really be excited about this guy coming off the bench as as a really dynamic playmaker you know who can get to the rim and do a lot of things as a as a freshman with his energy um I I don't think he's going to be a starter he is going to be a backup best case scenario um we have looked at other teams that have had situations like this and called them out for not talking about this Gerald and I Call it when we see it, when it's our program, when it's any other program, like it's, it's not okay until there is some resolution that says that he's not what he's been accused of. Like, I, I, I don't love right now that he's a part of this team and I would prefer that he wasn't playing and, and it went from Rice over to Brumba, but we'll see either way. I put Timmy Allen in the front court in the notes, but I think he's your third ball handler. Allen can easily play the two guard, can easily be, you know, who you're depending if you're going big or small or medium or whatever. He's going to be on the court pretty much with all of those units. And he is a guy who, He's not – we saw him last year. He's not super fast. He's not going to really stretch the range a bunch. He's just going to kind of – I think I once compared him to Kyle Anderson, right, Uh, former Spur, former UCLA Bruin. He's not fast, but he's long. He can hit all the shots. He loves an interior. He can kind of play like a post, but he passes like a guard. I think Timmy Allen will handle the ball a bit as well or have some plays where it runs through him to other guys. So um, he's kind of a tweener where you put him uh, is up to you. But a wing slash guard, I'll just throw him in here, and then we can – Use Timmy Allen to segue to the uh, to the bigs.
0: That's usually my job to find the clean segue, but I think that's a good way to to talk about it. Like Timmy Allen's that tweener. One of the things I, I as we talk about this, one of the things that I love that pops out, and uh, Timmy Allen's a good way to to pull it out, like a fifth-year senior, right? You've got two fifth-year seniors in your back. You've got two fifth-year seniors and two fourth-year seniors in your front court, right, in uh, Christian Bishop, Dylan Disu, Brock Cunningham, uh, and then Dylan Mitchell coming in um, as the number five recruit. And just an absolute, like, firecracker. I, I, there are not enough verbs and or not enough adjectives to describe uh, his athleticism and the way he can attack the rim. But um, Texas has, a, again, a really athletic um, version Versatile, I think, is the best way to say it. Front court, obviously, you've got Allen, who can handle the ball, but also you know play big. You've got Dylan Mitchell, like I can coming in six seven, the number five recruit in the country. Christian Bishop coming back six seven, averaged seven points a game last year. Dylan Dissu coming in at six nine. Brock Cunningham, the glue band. Chris Beard's favorite player. We'll just go ahead and say it. There is a lot to pick from in this front court, and I think as much as having a scorer. In or having somebody to distribute in the in the backcourt is going to be important for Texas. I am curious to see uh, one of the issues Texas the other one of the other issues Texas had was dealing with your pure bigs in. Yep. Uh, games We saw it yeah. happen. They went to Washington and Gonzaga absolutely just bodied them. Um, so that's that's still the one question I have. There's a ton of athleticism in this front court. But when your tallest player is 6'9", you've got questions on how to deal with a you know, 6'11", 7-footer uh, that's going to come into town.
1: And 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 it wasn't always even just the guy who's 7'3 with the crazy reach or whatever. Seton Hall had one of those. Um, I think it was, you know, the, the McCormick who, who is big and thick and just a really power forward guy who can, you know, scoop everything up and just is strong and hard to, to, you know, if you're not a huge shack like body to try to, to try to stop him inside. It was, uh, Lampkin at TCU, who's a lot of people's sleeper pick as a breakout player on a breakout team with just that big body, right? Like it, it was all, you know, uh, all five of the seven footers that Purdue seemed to have on their team when they rolled out the Monstars. Um, it is a bit concerning. Um, I think Dylan Disu being six foot nine um, and, and, and maybe having that, we didn't really see him. I think last year when he was hurt, we, we called him the silver bullet at one point. Cause everyone said when he comes <laughs> back, it fixes everything. Um, maybe it does. Maybe this year we see that jump. Like there's a lot of guys who put some good tape in last year and you knew numbers were going to dip in the kind of offensive um, pace and just, you know, lack of shots to go around, really, honestly, that, that Texas played. You knew you were going to see guys take dips in their stats, but there's a little more from Timmy Allen, who's, you know, a conference player of the year before he came here. There's a little bit more from Marcus Carr, who, again, was one of the best players in the nation uh, before he came here. There's a little bit more from Dylan Disu, who was, you know, a dominant SEC uh, double-double machine. So, like, can... Those guys make the step. He really loves... Beard really loves Kristen Bishop. I think he'll play a lot because Bishop can do a little bit of everything. He's 6'7". He runs the court. Whenever Texas did have fast breaks, it seemed to be Bishop at the end of it, dunking it down. Um, you know, he can, he can play as a pretty big post if he can really... Uh, bulk up and body up and be that for us, then I I think it it really helps. And then again, can Dsu be the shot blocker who also in theory has the range to step out and shoot threes, right? Because Texas needs that too. They need three-point shooting. Um, Someone is going to have to step up. Maybe it's Brock Cunningham, right? He seemed to fix his shooting motion a little bit and, and and get a little bit better when he was wide open. Maybe it's the Bruce Bowen thing where you stick him in a corner um on offense and and, and let him do that because you know he could do all the little things on defense and you just love it. And he's gonna get his minutes and he's earned them. Honestly, like he 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 is he is the equivalent of special teams in basketball. He's just that extra element who does <laughs> all the things. Like he does the dirty work and I love him. Um but like don't forget I think I think Cunningham kind of averaged like 18, 19 points in high school. Like he could score a little bit Hasn't shown that as much at this level, but if he can get reliable as a kick-out three-point shooter, it could really, really be a guy who doesn't leave the, the court as much uh, this year, even though, again, some of his offensive game is a little bit limited. But, you know, another player just, I don't think he's going to feature a ton this year, but I think as a development guy, I'd take to mention his three-star uh, three freshman power forward, uh, Alex uh, Anameke. He he came from uh, the Dallas area, I think. He was a number 15 player in Texas was a late get was committed elsewhere they fired their coach and kind of was around so Texas pounced in and got him to really I think that pushed their their class ultimately up to number three in the rankings because he's there as well he's a guy who like um, Brumbaugh would be a good multi-year player who by his third year could really be something Um, don't think he'll play a ton this year but you know injuries you never know Uh, it's good to know kind of who's who's down there but I think they're they're stacked with the guys they have and then the player who I think unlocks this team more than anyone more than Tyrese Hunter who I'm excited what how he's going to (laughs) handle the ball more than Marcus Carr maybe making a step up more than Timmy Allen just draining 12 elbow jumpers a game Dylan Mitchell what Dylan Mitchell ends up doing this season will say to me and again he's a freshman but will say to me how far this Texas team goes so it's the athleticism that we had with some Shaka teams with Kai Jones and with Greg Brown and and who who Could run the floor, can jump from, I mean, can dunk from just inside the three-point line. Like, he is a really willing and really good defender. He's 6'7 with some length. Like, a guy who comes in is is one of the most, single most athletic player in this class, hands down. Like, jump out of a building, do everything. You've seen these guys at Texas. Can he contribute right away? Because he's not the seven-footer that we've had, the really athletic bigs that were, you know, most of our NBA players right now uh, are in that mold. He's not that player. Um, probably closer to a Greg Brown mold, but I think a more polished player, which his senior year really pushed him up the rankings. As You saw how he turned that athleticism into polish. Probably the best one through four defender in this class as well. So it makes sense to be a beard guy. He's long, he's quick, he's athletic. He's a, like... At his apex could be a Kawhi Leonard type. And again, that's really lofty praise, but a guy who can go defense into offense, a guy who can get steals, guy who can come around and get blocks, a guy who if he can if his shooting works, right? And that's the big caveat for this whole team. Pretty much for any one of these guys down there if the shooting works if they take some steps up if they get an offensive system that gets these guys shots gets them in rhythm gets them to their spots that they want to hit if the shooting works the defense will be really good this year
0: and i think it's i think it's fair i think it's that's fair but I, back to me and again this is this is my natural pessimism when it comes to basketball like You've got to see Kansas and the Twin Towers of Clements and, and Uday twice, right? Like you've got to see them twice. Uh, you've got to you've got to see uh, Tanner Groves twice in conference, right? Like these are things that, like, regardless of how versatile the defense is, and I love that you called Brock Cunningham the third Heat, right? That's a Thirty Rock reference, by the way, for those of you that don't are Thirty Rock fans. Um, I just I think. I'm curious to see can because you don't have you don't have to be a seven footer to guard a seven footer, right? Um, but can Texas match the, the athleticism that we know that they have, right. They're going to run the court. They're going to push the ball. If Chris Beard lets them, right. They're going to be able to attack the basket, but can they marry that with physicality? Right. Can they marry that? Like, you don't have to be seven foot to guard a seven footer. You just have to be big, right? Like uh, DeWan Blair showed us that, uh, when he got like, I, 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 he is like the typical, like he could body seven footers, but he was like, what? six, nine, six 10, Wasn't a generous footer. Generously. Right. Right. With stilts <laughs> on maybe, um, But like, I think like that is the prime example of somebody who was like, who played bigger than they were. And Mm. so that's, that's what I want to see from Texas down low. Like will, um, will Timmy Allen, will Christian Bishop, will Dylan D.C. Can they play two inches taller than they are? Can they um, again, defend the paint? Can they keep? Opponents from getting those easy cheap buckets that they get down low, right? Because I think part of what bit Texas in the keister last year a lot um, were two things ball handling. We saw that happen quite a bit in the NCAA tournament. That's why Texas uh, made a second round exit. And people getting low percentage or high percentage shots down low were easy for them. They were the, the bigs were not necessarily um, able to patrol the paint like they were. And I think part of that, and I want to see, you know, Texas finished last year 14th in Ken Palms' adjusted defensive efficiency, right? So, like, that's that's a good number, right? Um, but they're going to get attacked every week, especially the Big 12. We'll just say it. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country. Oh, yeah. Period, end of sentence, oh, right? Yeah. So, like, is 14 going to be good enough to compete with Baylor, Kansas, TCU, Texas Tech? Like, is that going to be good enough, especially when all of those teams have a um, – have the recipe to beat Chris Beard and and what Texas has done.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, right? The, the the Big Twelve is is stacked. I mean, it's every bit as good as the SEC fo- is at football, right? It's it's the past two national, yeah. I mean, it's the past two national champions. It's uh, they've had a Final Four um, contestant, which is hard to do, like consistency to get to the Final Four, even if you're a really good team every year since 2018, right? Like they, um, this is the best conference, and they are you know three, four, five, six, maybe seven deep. We'll see what Oklahoma State looks like. Um, this is this is a, you know, that that top five or so in this conference, I think could beat any team in the country on any given night. They, they will beat each other up. We talked about it to a lesser extent with the football. We call it a crabs in the barrel. It's not quite that because the floor is much higher. And I don't know that just anyone can beat anyone, but I mean, like, all teams are dangerous, right? Like, you know, you still have Bob Huggins coaching West Virginia who isn't one of those top teams. You have great coaches, you have great players, you have, you know, five, six, seven, eight deep on a lot of these rosters, you have five stars, you have just a lot of talent, a lot of um commitment, uh to 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 playing a style, right? There is really good defense in this conference. It's 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 brutal um slog. They're gonna beat you up every night. <clears throat> you have to go play in, in you know Fog Allen where Kansas has, has committed 11 career fouls over 83 years um, and you know it, it's it's hard it's hard to win in this conference um, beard has a method that he knows works from his best times at Texas Tech he thinks he can make it work here at Texas they were fine last year they were good last year I'll say it they could have been better I I, I will say Gerald my biggest hurdle to them being better is the shooting they lost their top three Three-point shooters. If Andrew Jones had an eleventh year, if Courtney Ramey wasn't at uh, Arizona, where I'm wishing him all the success, if Jace Febris got like a you know another medical redshirt, if any one of those guys come back, they would be eight percentage points better than probably anyone left on on the team. Like they would. Walk in and be our best three-point shooter. Just any one of them. Last year, they weren't great. They were six in the Big 12 with six and a half, made three-pointers a game, fifth in the conference with, with you know about 33%. You need shooters to get to 35. You need them to get to 38. 40 would be ideal. I don't know who it's going to be. Like I said, I think uh, Serge Bari Rice is, is the candidate. I think he's the the shooting breakout candidate. Maybe maybe one of those bigs, Mitchell, D.C., Uh, Cunningham, someone is, you know, a stretch big and and can give us another shooter. But if not, it's going to be two guards who, who, you know, dribble, penetrate and have to get guys looks. And then you you talked about the bigs. I think the defense is good. I think, you know, can they improve on that? Which is hard to say, right? 14 is really good. Um, Can they even improve on that? Can they be a top 10 defense? Can they, they lost some of their games they lost last year were really tight ones. Can they get An extra possession or two, Seton Hall. Think to a couple of those games. Can they get an extra possession or two of stops? And if they do that, you know, can they win a couple of those by two points instead of lose? But I think, you know, it all comes down to number five and number five, Baylor and Kansas. They were tied in the initial AP poll because voters just couldn't separate them. Number 14, TCU. They weren't great in the regular season, but they were really great in the tournament. Like, really, really great. Like, One shot away, controversial ending, uh, from going to the Sweet 16. Um, Texas Tech, I'm not ruling them out, though. They lost a lot of Chris Beard's guys that they won with last year. Um, Mike Miles and TCU might be the the most exciting player in the conference this year. Might be the best player in the conference. Um, KU also lost a ton, but I'm never going to write them off. Baylor looks scary good, um, like scary good. Like I don't want to see Baylor. I could see them making a Final Four again. Like it's it's they're really good. Um, so it's it's can they get through those and then do the Oklahoma teams factor and can you win the games against the the teams that you should right Iowa State, West Virginia. Um, can they beat those teams and? just slog through the others and and come out with a, you know, better than 500 against the others uh, and and turn that into a postseason run.
0: The thing about the big 12 is that it is a great preparation. It is a great, um, I don't know any other way to say this, but it is the best is one of the best ways to prepare for a postseason run is playing in the big 12 because, uh, well, they're, The league is a slog. The league is going to grind you out and you have multiple teams playing multiple styles. And so, uh, like legitimately, there are what, like seven of the nine Big 12 teams are probably tournament teams, right? Like, what do you what do you do with that? Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know, frankly, what else to say other than the Big Twelve is going to be a meat grinder. uh, Other than to talk about the rest of the schedule. So for Texas, when you when you look at the non-conference, right? Chris Beard catches a lot of grief for his non-conference scheduling, but having Gonzaga number two and uh, Creighton number nine in games three and five at home is a massive uh, way to open the the Moody Center, right? It's an it's an incredible way to open it. Uh, Texas then goes to the Jimmy V Classic playing Illinois at the next game right after Creighton, uh Stanford and Dallas and then they kick off OU in in conference we talked about the Gro- uh, the the Groves brothers but really just the Grove uh on uh, in Norman right so it's a massive like early season slate for them and oh yeah they also have Tennessee uh on the road in uh, January
1: yeah i mean y- y- you talk about game 3 and game 5 the, the the other games outside of these ones listed should be tune-ups. You should get to know some of those guys I mentioned towards the end. You should see a lot of Brumball, a lot of, you know, the 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 three-star freshmen. Like you should see some of the 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 uh, walk-ons and and, you know, equipment managers. Like they should win <laughs> the other games that aren't listed here and they should pad those stats while they have the chance. They should work on, you know, getting in rhythm shooting, do all those things because Gonzaga still has Drew Timmy. He's still around. He's still freaking around. How? I think he got like uh Jordan Shipley gave him one of his years um uh, who's the Kansas guy who uh, Perry Ellis um somehow gifted him his uh, one of his lungs? I mean, like uh I don't know somehow he's still in in there and and he's Texas still has to defend. Just a post, you know, scorer like him, which is, will be a great test at the beginning of the season. Creighton, a Cinderella team last year, both the men's and women's side, proving that they're, they're just a basketball school up there uh, in Nebraska. And, um, they're good. It's going to be a test. Christian Bishop playing his old team. It's going to be a test. Um, The Illinois game. Illinois could end up being really good by the end of the year. We don't know yet. They're not ranked, but they they, they could be um, really good by the end of the year. They were great last year. Um, Stanford could compete for the Pac-12. So those are four of your first ten. That's a lot. One is in Dallas. One is, you know, the Jimmy V Classic in Madison Square Garden, um, and and you know, then you get to you get to to conference um, Tennessee. Basically, these are the Big Twelve and you know other conference scheduling thing that's all the rage. Tennessee, Stanford, uh, and Creighton are each of those. Jimmy V Classic is Illinois, and then Gonzaga was scheduled uh, a few years out for for this year. So not necessarily beard scheduled games, but. They, they will float the RPI if you can win a couple of those. And then just a couple conference games. The trip to Lubbock uh, is the day before Valentine's Day. So, you know... Uh Red Raider fans, I'm sure you're listening to this. Be sure to write uh, Coach Beard your, your Valentine's Day cards and, and bring those to the, the arena. Um, and then the, the, you said the OU kickoff, it's, it's New Year's Day. So, or, you know, it's kind of crazy that that's how we're kicking off the new year with a Texas OU conference opener. And then the close, Gerald, the close. Um, their last three games uh, of the season in March, Baylor on the road, TCU on the road, Kansas at home. If they win two out of the, three out of those, They're going to feel good going into both tournaments. If they somehow win all three of those, they might have a single-digit number next to their name, probably should, definitely. Uh, If they win one out of the three, we'll see where that sits them. Um, But, you know, it it is a tough close. We know that. So they need to win uh, the ones they can, get the the middle uh, not-as-tough ones, win all the home games. Really, I talked about it in my Bang the Drum, but I think Moody should give them a real home court advantage a more tight a more compact a smaller arena texas as we said was 23rd last year in attendance we feel like that number can get up you know another thousand to pass texas tech um to move into the top 15 range like it's very easy with the excitement that comes with the corral with all the things that beard's doing with just the new arena new car smell like i think moody can really be an asset team has to play like it but they have State of the art facilities. It's a really cool building. Like fans need to get out there and check it out. Truly make that thing hard. Start a new legacy, right? Texas basketball home court advantage from here on out. Um, I-, I-, I can see it. I think that can be uh, the thing that that is the difference for Texas this year versus last year as well.
0: So there's a lot to watch. There's a. This feels like a. I don't know where the floor is on this team. It feels like a relatively high floor, uh, but a pretty high ceiling, depending on how Texas comes out, especially. We'll know we'll know early on how high the ceiling is from this Texas team. And obviously, as the season progresses, we will be back each and every week with more coverage.
1: All right, Gerald, now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. We'll start what we have every week, even though we aren't playing this week, but with a look around the, uh, the games that, that just happened, uh, in this past week As everyone was focused on uh, The Longhorns In the Big 12 Baylor uh, Beat Kansas 35-23 to 23. Texas Tech Stomped West Virginia 48-10 to 10. TCU With a 38-28 win Another Come from behinder um, TCU That's a little bit scary Seems to be the opposite of Texas Where they Do all their damage In the second half So that game scares uh, The living bejesus out of me Jared Wiley had another Even
0: more so than it normally does Yes
1: Yes Jared Wiley had another touchdown for them. Quentin Johnson, every time he scores, uh, Gerald said sheds a single tear. Um, which of these b- other Big Twelve games told you the most about the conference this week?
0: I mean, I think it has to be the the TCU game, right? Like um, TCU and Kansas State are very clearly at this point probably the two best teams in the conference. Like even with. You know Texas, even being Texas fans, being Texas, uh, a Texas podcast, like those are the at least based on the records, those are the two best teams. Um, and Kansas State is on their the, uh, on their third quarterback now. We don't know the health of uh, their first two guys as it we we look at two weeks out from now. But it's amazing to see, like Max Duggan has always had flashes of brilliance, but seeing him in an offense as a like fourth year starter that's also um in an offense that like maximizes his skills is pretty scary so I think that's probably the result that told me the most because like Baylor KU Jalen Daniels is still out and they still made it interesting right but like that's the game to me that really that really said a lot
1: yeah uh tech in West Virginia was a weird one it shows tech has a killer upside and you know it makes the loss I guess feel a little bit less bad but Um, Again, not the playbook of a Texas game. Taj Brooks had 6.3 yards a carry, two touchdowns in that one. Um, You know, Texas looks so good against the run now that it's hard to really extrapolate what it means. But, yeah, I think TCU... Texas is going to do something silly Like lose another one And then beat TCU out of nowhere Like I don't know it's Maybe maybe they beat TCU and Kansas State And then lose the other ones I don't know It's going to be weird um, from here on out But let's enjoy the bye week and, and let those guys beat up on each other next week Where we can sit from the comfort of our couches And not catch any strays um, Gerald, the game of the week though The absolute number one game of the week Texas A&M <laughs> falls to South Carolina uh um, Carolina is South Carolina's not a good team. They're, they got ranked this week because they beat an SEC team, and I can't wait to get that SEC inflation bump. We get a little of it being Texas. I bet it's just going to be uh, straight to the veins when we're over there. We'd probably be number nine right now. Um, but anyways, uh, I guess I can't make those jokes anymore once we're there. Um, <laughs> South Carolina's not a good team, and they tried they- everything in their power to give this game away. But Texas A&M is legitimately like it was kind of haha ha, they're not a top 10 team. Haha, ha, they're struggling. Haha, their offense. Like it was kind of funny. And now it's almost to the point that no, I don't feel bad, but you could imagine
0: that they do because they suck. Like they legitimately are not a good football team. And that's crazy. I would go as far as to call them Kyle a bad football team. That is not good football that they're playing in College Station. That is not good football that we're seeing from them. Um, and when your head coach is your offensive coordinator, much like both of the chief in-state teams uh, are, like there are a lot of curiosities I'll say that I have about what's going to happen at College Station. And uh, I'm a firm believer that if Jimbo had a normal buyout, he'd have been fired, especially with everything that came out on Tuesday about the players. Um, Smoking ganja uh, pregame <laughs> in uh, in the locker room uh, in South Carolina. Like, there is a – I definitely feel like he would have gotten canned or should have gotten canned, like, yeah. if he had a normal buyout.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, like, it's year five, guys. Like, this is not year one, right? Like, Texas had a real bad year last year where they inexplicably lost a bunch of games that they should have won. The advanced metrics couldn't believe that Texas lost those games every metric says am should probably have lost more like they could have lost to, to absolute garbage Miami they could have lost uh, they should have lost to Arkansas it was it was bewildered that they won that game they could be a two-win team right now and one of those being Sam Houston which gave them everything they wanted for three out of those four quarters you know like they, ooh, this is a tough one like again yeah if 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 this was Jimbo Fisher in year one, fine. If, if it was Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher in year 10, he's gone, right? Like, you get that buyout down. Um, year five, there's just too much buyout. Like, when there's 95 million, it just comes back to, again, the Aggies are their own worst enemy. They made... We laughed about it. God, we mocked them. They made the worst single business decision in the history of, of sports. Just period. Sports. When they, they, they gave Jimbo a... Of course, he'll win a national championship deal, and made 100% guaranteed no no buyout uh reduction 100% of his ridiculous salary guaranteed and then gave him an extension uh to add on more to it i mean it's just you actually love to see it i will say it in the most earnest way that that phrase has ever been said you love to see it you just love it i mean it is just uh overload it's so beautiful they've been such jerks for so long, they've talked so much about being the Alabama bane of Nick Saban. They're going to beat him and win the conference and win the playoff. This was the year, baby. The only bowl that they will
0: make this year was the one the players made in the opposing locker room. They're bad. I love it. I mean, I told my wife that when South Carolina went up nine points in the fourth quarter that the game was over. That's how <laughs> bad it is in College Station. And here's she the- didn't get it. She didn't get what I was saying, yeah. but but she got it right. Like yeah, just insurmountable, insurmountable De- for those folks. Devin chain should be worth twenty one points a
1: game by himself. You have to actively like limit a player with his upside, what he could do, and they well, just they they just absolutely do.
0: Well, to be fair, they're down three offensive linemen. Granted, they were freshman offensive linemen right. in and of itself. Um, so, like, yeah, they, sh- they sure. should be way better. They should be way better in year five.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I couldn't be happier. Gerald, let's keep it going because I could spend an hour <laughs> just, just on this each week. Yeah. Um, they lost the bye week as well because they came out and lost. So let's just let's just chalk that up as another loss. they relevant games. Uh, UTSA improves to 6-2 and two with a win over a good North Texas team. UTSA, we said it after they lost to us, they may not lose another game this season, and it looks like that, that may be the case, um, which helps our, our strike the schedule there. Clemson Eeks went out in the other Naranjo Bowl after the UT OSU battle over which shade of orange, the Clemson uh, you know, purple and oranges up against the Syracuse orange. Um, and they got a win from a name that people might might uh, recognize Cade Klubnik came in there and Klubnik uh, came in there and uh, basically willed them to to victory which was interesting um, and then just a couple quick hitters Miami lost again um, they look like maybe the only team that was ranked this year less likely than AM to make a bowl they're bad man they're bad 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 um, we'll talk specifically about a number in that one Northwestern still Hasn't won a game in North America, but they have won every game against Casey Thompson. You hate to see it. Um, and Gerald, out of those, any anything you want to uh, expound upon in those quick hit games? There,
0: the Clemson thing is weird because, and I'm, we are not. If you go back and listen to our Tuesday pod, we're not we're not the blame the refs kind of guy. Texas shot itself in the foot, um, but there was a disparity in in uh, some personal foul calls yeah. that should have gotten called potentially uh, on Clemson and got called on Syracuse that. Uh, potential that really honestly allowed that comeback to happen, but it's fine. Um, that, I mean, that's that's my big takeaway. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, I, I like Coach Babers. I think Syracuse is like the 87th right now in like rankings, which don't matter. Talent, like roster talent, um, they're they're playing way above it, and good for them. Love Dino's coaching them up. Love to see it. Yeah, my my wife who worked for the Baylor football program loved Coach Babers and, and speaks very very highly of him. Um, and so you just you love to see it. Um, Miami had eight turnovers,
0: Gerald. Good thing they got – it's like the revenge of the turnover chain. Like, they got rid of the turnover chain as some sort of statement, um, and then the turnover chain got its revenge. Like a Miami-Duke basketball uh, game, you're,
1: you're upset at a guy having eight turnovers. Like, the, uh, I mean, how do you give Duke eight turnovers? Uh, I mean, boy, Mario Cristobal. Um, if we went through a rough year one with Sark and Aggies are going through a rough year five with Jimbo – Watching Oregon be really good without Cristobal and watching Miami be really, let's just say it, bad Bad. with him is an interesting indictment. Uh, We'll leave it at that. Um, Gerald, you had a couple games to watch for the Big 12 this week, and hit us us with your faves.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one for the competitive sake, but I think two for Texas is now in a position where they need uh, outcomes to happen for them. So you've got Oklahoma State and Kansas State on uh, oklahoma state traveling to kansas state this weekend one i think it's going to be a really good game i think those especially uh, that depends on the kansas state quarterback situation uh but a kansas state win here would do a lot for texas because uh that would give oklahoma state a loss and kansas state already has a loss and they're still on texas's schedule and then you got the butt bowl in Lubbock going on <laughs> baylor and texas tech uh again Either of those teams losing helps Texas. And also, either of those teams losing would be fun for me because uh, we have bye week energy this week. And so, like, Baylor fans rocking – Baylor fans were capping for Oklahoma State. Like, they didn't just give up those cheeks two weeks ago to them. Like, <laughs> it's really some weird energy coming from, from Waco as far as, like, taking shots at Texas for losing to Oklahoma State when you all got you all got run over literally by them, like, two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, uh, it's hard to find anyone to root for in the Big 12 right now, um, except Kansas. Uh, and so, yeah, I appreciate you, Gerald, giving the uh, giving the people uh, an angle here because uh, the butt bowl, I could not find a, a rooting interest in. And um, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, again, played one of them, have to play the other. Just you know, zero zero draw would be great. Um yeah, I, I to me, like, if OU loses, which would be fantastic, and um I don't know, chaos. We're rooting for chaos at this point. But let's take it up a level, Gerald. Let's now talk a little bit about Longhorns in the NFL. Quick recap on what the boys did on Sundays, Mondays and or Thursdays. Um who is your Longhorn of the Week?
0: Uh this was a it was a tough competition this week. Um I think I've got to go Deontay Foreman, Mm. right? Like, stepping in uh, and taking over, like, the starting role, 15 touches, 118 yards, including a 60-yard run. Um, And he beat Tom Brady. So, like, what more do you need from that? Like, me being a Texas fan and somebody who has a lifelong hatred of Tom Brady, like, it's perfect.
1: Uh, I I see how that one lines up nicely for you. I think he averaged like, eight yards a carry. Really good to see. Hope he can keep that momentum going. That's, like... He's got he's got gas in the tank, and he's you know he's got the talent. Just needs that opportunity. So excited to see that for our guy. Um, uh, what you've left me with is tough. I'm going to give it to one guy, but I'm going to give three honorable mentions just because they they deserve it. Um, the Joker, Deshaun Elliott, a second straight game with nine tackles. He's doing a lot in that line secondary. Uh, Devin Duve, just like great receiver, two catches, 42 yards. Really, really unbelievable special teams player. Um, almost had a, a punt return touchdown, got pushed out, you know, just shy of it uh, for the Ravens. It was a 46-yarder. Just, like, love that he's making plays every time he touches the ball, honestly. Um, and then um, Joseph Osai got his first career sack, so we're really excited. Omena, who couldn't make it four straight games with the sack. He handed off the torch uh, to Osai this week. But uh, my guy, it's got to be just excited to see him still doing it at this level he had some time off. He's had a journeyman's career. He took uh you know kind of a, a COVID uh break there. But Marquise Goodwin getting it done. Four catches, sixty seven yards, two touchdowns, both were pretty, but the second one was beautiful. The going up, getting it, toe tapping, uh end zone corner catch. I mean, the guy looks like like he was a, you know, six foot five um Outside receiver the way he's he's going up and getting some of these deep balls. We know he's got the speed, but he's showing it. He's got
0: the full package still at this age. He's 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 got gas in the tank as well. I mean it's good to see. I love seeing it, right? Um, and there's a long conversation to be had about Geno Smith and whether or not he should have been a backup or a starter. Like there there's conversations about quarterbacks and how quarterbacks are handled in the NFL that we can have at a later date.
1: All right, Gerald, we need to give folks – it's NBA season, right? Spurs – we we found out, you know, a reminder that uh, Greg Popovich was in the Air Force, not the Army uh, because my guy doesn't know how to drive a tank. Um, They were supposed to be bad, but they can't stop winning. They lost their first one, and they just can't stop. Um, But if you're not rooting for the San Antonio Spurs, which, again, what the heck are you doing? This is a fantastically fun team of – of young pups to watch. There are some longhorns around the NBA. Um, Gerald, do you have a team you're going to be watching to cheer on an NBA longhorn this year?
0: Uh, I'm a big Jackson Hayes fan also because Zion looking svelte. This year, I think mm-hmm. it's probably a good uh, pairing. Obviously, uh, I also I'm Miles Turner is always fun for me to yeah. watch. Jared Jared Allen personality plus um, I mean he's like the shot blocking machine. So there's a lot of options, but I think of those I think that's probably like where I'm gonna spend a lot of my
1: time. I like that. I like that. There's there are there is no NBA team currently with two Longhorns on it, so it's spread out. Obviously, you got Kevin Durant in the Nets. If you want to go that route, Durant looks hungry at the beginning of this season, putting up 37 point games like it's you know a teenager out there. Um Mobamba's with the magic, uh Jericho Sims with the Knicks, just athletic bigs for days. My boy PJ Tucker still still in the league. He's got he's he's got another 10 years. Uh, playing for the 76ers this year. Corey Joseph with the Pistons. Uh, Greg Brown with the Blazers. Kai Jones with the Hornets. Again, Kai Jones will make some crazy plays. Greg Brown will as well. Uh, they'll they'll make Center. I'll say, over under a combined eight times this year with some of their highlight plays. They're both very, very athletic and doing it well. The NBA level, I think if I had to pick one, of course, I'm watching Spurs, but I will watch Jared Allen and the Cavs because I really like what Allen is turning into. That Cavs is another young team of, you know, like, Call them overachievers, but now they're just achievers. I think they're just a good team, and Allen is a really solid part of that. Of course, his defense, but he's just really efficient in his scoring, uh, rebounding. He's doing it all, um, and he has you know a chance to uh, to take a step into like true stardom this year. He he really is uh, you know a fringe All Star uh, talent player, and and should really secure his his level there uh, as a full time All Star for the next couple of years with with what he's got and that that team there. So excited to see a little NBA this. Season Gerald Soccer's Trinity Byers was named two awards this uh, national awards this week to the top drawer soccer national team of the week and the College Soccer News national team of the week. That marks her sixth weekly national award this season.
0: I mean. Big. She's a big reason why Texas just clinched its uh, its first regular season title in what twenty one years. That right, is correct. She has been absolutely um, massive for them. It's the sixth national award uh, of the year, and, and again, this has been a Revolution, not a revolution of a year, but like it feels like this is the culmination of, of what's been brewing in Austin. Um, and so seeing them recognized nationally is, is always nice.
1: Yeah, check out senior night to, to recognize those, uh, though they're young team, those super seniors who came back to get this one over the hump when they play OU in the last game. Um, there's a Big 12 championship this week, Gerald. Coach Flo just wins championships, so let's see if we can get another one with cr- cross country, uh, heading to Lubbock on Friday for the Big 12 cross-country championship, and then uh, there was a little bit of golf to report. It was kind of fell between episodes, so we didn't really report uh, the last one. We had half in the show notes, um, but basically a mix showing at Big 12 match play. Um, Keaton Vo was really good, and he was 4-0 and 1 individually. Travis Vick was 3-1 and 1 in that, including a 3-2 victory against Texas Tech's Ludwig Aberg, the number two player in the World Amateur Golf Rankings right now. So both of them showed out well, and then they went ahead and competed in the east lake cup um, which features the four semi-finalists from the previous ncaa t- tournament uh, playing against each other is 18 holes of stroke play and then two days of match play it was texas arizona state uh, vanderbilt and pepperdine of course um, texas being the reigning national champion um got in there and finished second in stroke play so like again we talked about a rough start it's good right it's 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 good that you uh you're hanging uh, with the top four teams coming in second, I like that a lot. They're number 19 right now. I think this might help move that number up. Um, they lost ultimately in stroke play to number one Vandy. But again, just, just seeing them compete there was good. Christian Moss getting a little, uh, getting a little shine is good. I think um, the freshmen right now, uh, Vo and Moss, are the ones to watch for the spring season.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting year for Texas. Like last year had to be the year for them, and it turned out to be. So there's a lot that they're going to be replacing uh, on this team. So I'm curious and excited to see uh, what that looks like for them. That's right. Moss was named the Fred Haskins Award. Watch this one of the 20 players
1: named for the nation's top golfer. So good honor for him. Uh, joining some some hotshot freshmen of, of years past in Cootie uh, and speeth and uh, Hammer and others uh, to, to make that as a freshman. So really great. Gerald, let's send this thing home. Let's wrap it up with a little bit of Godzilla Tron What have you been watching on your giant screen?
0: Uh, so I haven't been watching a ton. I say I haven't been watching a ton. I've been traveling, so I've been watching, like, random TV shows on my phone that I'm trying to catch up on. um. But I started Mike Roach's book. If you haven't heard it, Mike Roach, our friend, uh, wrote a kind of recruiting retrospective over some of the biggest uh, recruiting some of the biggest recruiting stories or some of the most fun recruiting stories of the last uh, several years. And it is good. Like, Mike, Mike is a good writer if you obviously read his stuff. Um, I'm in this weird spot where I want to jump to the end because the last chapter, the last segment is uh, Bijan. But I'm also, like, a rule follower. And so I'm like, no, I need to read the other chapters before <laughs> I go back there. So, like, I'm in this weird position where I'm like, I want, I, I just want to jump to the end. And it's not like, a, like every chapter is its own plot, right? So, like, it, I'm not going to ruin the plot by jumping to the end but there's something in me maybe it's because my dad was in the military and then he was a pastor that i just like cannot break what i perceive to be his rules so so far so good really enjoying it uh, i'm a couple of sections into it and it's a blast we
1: gotta get mike roach on here to do a uh, a book review you know the guy needs to go on tour to promote this uh this book um when you have something to plug you go you go on the, the podcast circuit but uh that's awesome i need to read that i'm, I'm a bad friend sorry mike Uh, I will get it, I promise you, and I will read it. And uh, I'm sure it'll be phenomenal because Mike is an absolute gem of a human. Um, I watched the Austin Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, I I watched during COVID the Formula One Drive to Survive series and got an interest, like many people, in a sport that was one of the few that I really had no care or knowledge for and got a little taste of the bug. My wife, much harder. She loves cars, already was a fan of Formula One from a distance this really pushed her into like now she watches races and stuff and uh big Hamilton fan. so tough loss for her she was actually screaming at the tv when Verstappen got it but that's it's cool it's it's very cool loved it the cooler thing is seeing all of the people it's still right now the only American race so it is the American Grand Prix as well um and just thinking about like when we talk about the best college towns and what type of recruitment we always joke about NCAA like uh recruiting rankings, how they rank each piece of your, your school and you can pitch it uh to recruits like having the Austin Grand Prix and having Bijan walk around uh with L'Oreal Sarkees and wearing his Lamborghini branded uh N. I. L deal uh hoodie and walking in the pit of some of the, you know, best, most elite, like one of the walks that anyone in the world outside of America is jealous of just walking through these cars pre-race as Bijan smiles and, you know, Lewis Hamilton goes out of his way when he's walking out to when he sees Bijan in the crowd to go give him a high five because he knows who that is um, you know, like, Daniel Ricardo throwing up the horns, like you just don't get this at other schools like, I I don't know what other people don't get like, yeah, no one wants to go to Oklahoma State if they can come to Austin yeah, and like, we're gonna flip your kids, it's gonna happen um, Austin is just so much better than whatever town you went to. Yeah, but we had three bars in in the Little Apple of Manhattan. Who cares? Your town sucks. Austin's so much better. It's so much more awesome. Uh, Sorry, guys, but it just is. It's better than Tuscaloosa. It's better than, like, any of the Florida. It's better than Baton Rouge. Like, it's just better. It's just better. Um, USC with LA and Lincoln Riley out there, maybe. But, you know, it's just right now the coolest uh coolest thing and then another thing that i watched um well of course that we, we watched the finale of of uh, the house of dragons and i know gerald you did too i don't know if we yep. need to talk about it here great great uh cliffhanger that we have to wait two years for but speaking of dragons this is a segue um the welsh football team uh it's the welsh dragons there uh welcome to wrexham documents Rexham wrexham fc talked about it on this show i finished it um wild how these happen sometimes like you have a documentary crew and then hollywood breaks out really like compelling actual soccer in this series of the documentary about the way the cliffhangers go and they shoot it really well and compelling as well um but there was an episode it was their second to last i think where they talked about the friendship that rob mcelenny and ryan reynolds have formed through this when they weren't really friends beforehand and they talked they brought in like a psychologist to talk about like the way that men process emotions and i know we have um people all over ages genders races spectrums who live listen to this podcast we have a lot of men who listen to this podcast and and um If you watch one episode go watch it it was cool it talked about the like how men use sports to basically Gerald and i have a podcast talking about them uh Mm -hmm. to connect on a human level and like show these emotions that sometimes are socialized out of us um and just how like genuine and they say i love you to each other and like talk about like male affection bonding and the yearning for that and why that draws us to sports um and they talked about like pandemic and when A lot of people talked about their hardest loss during the pandemic. It was not having that sport. It wasn't even the result. It was that community, that ability to talk to your buddy about it, that like thing that took the pressure off having to be real. And A, I hope everyone can be real and form male intimacy like Bonds. Gerald, I love you. You know that. I don't need sports to tell you that. And I'm so excited that we have that relationship i hope everyone who listens to that has that but it was a really good episode that just kind of hit me in the feels and made me think and it was really well done out of kind of character for the rest of the show for the most part they did have some weird one-off episodes during the course of it but they like quickly then go back to the, the the final you know soccer match and it's like whoa um in the ride but it's a really good episode if you just watch one make it that and see how you feel and maybe go back and watch the whole thing but I love that people are talking about that. Man, it's okay to love your buddies. It's okay to give them hugs. It's okay to tell them you care. It's okay even to talk about things outside of sports. If you want to, maybe start a podcast and talk about things on your giant screen.
0: I love it. I love it. That's that's next up on my wife and I's like watch list. Like, we got to get caught up on a few things before we can, but it's on there. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow
1: me on Twitter at Kyle carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas pre-gamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G H Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at longhorn pod, Facebook and Instagram, the longhorn Republic or shoot us an email longhorn Republic pod at gmail.com. So we'll be back again on Tuesday with our women's basketball preview. And then we'll be back next Thursday with our preview of the Kansas state wildcat. Thank you so much. Tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook hook'em. Hook em. Pay
1: Jimbo's buyout, you cowards.